0: morning y'all, you got your Bibles, go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4, we're starting at verse 1, you can get there, let us pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, please. Give us understanding ears, God. Let us hear, hear your word, hear your truth, God. And even throughout this week, let us hear your spirit and be guided by it, Father. In Jesus' name, truly help us to trust you, to rely upon you, Father God, not lean unto our own understanding, God, but to truly relinquish all our hopes, all our desires to you, Father God. Speak and speak clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're picking up Proverbs chapter 4 and seeing what can we make it bit by bit we're on our way through now here we come back at the top of Proverbs chapter 4 it's the father speaking to the child again and he's making an appeal to the son to pursue wisdom and this appeal he he, we're going to break the appeal down into a couple of different appeals so we got at the the top of it, beginning in verse three, is his personal appeal. And then we're going to go and pick up where he talks. Of, gives a passionate appeal, and he just started pleading to the son to pursue wisdom. So let's pick it up in verse one of chapter four. Say, "Heal my children, <clears throat> the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law." This is his opening appeal. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding. Now, that word instruction here is the same word we was talking about last week when it told us do not despise the chastening of the Lord. It's this. Picture or this idea that has to do with discipline, that has to do with training, teaching, and the whole purpose of it is putting you on the right path. So, like, listen to me when I'm trying to put you on the right path. And give attention to no understanding. So he's calling him to a place. And he's appealing to him. To understand. To, to grasp and to get understanding. And that's his opening appeal. I'm, I'm trying to put you on the right path. I'm trying to instruct you. And I want you to know understanding. And we'll take a minute and pause here. And we're going to see it as we go through here. A lot of these first nine chapters. I don't know if you caught on to it. The appeal or the call. Are the pleading and the admonition that's going on is for the son to walk in the right way, to go down the right paths. But what a lot of people don't catch on to is that at the same time, he's calling him to walk the right way, to go down the right path. He's calling him to be just, or to, or to live a just or righteous life. And it's something that's going to be highlighted as we go forward. And we just take a moment to pause on it here, is that as you see it, there's a parallel between walking the right path and being just because in our society we have separated righteousness and justice justice is something that these people claim they are fighting for like you want folks to do the thing that makes things equal that's only a piece of justice true justice is righteousness Doing the right thing at the right time in the right way is walking down the right path. And that's the picture of righteousness, justice. And those are parallel terms, especially in the Old Testament. And we're going to see it as we go forward. The call is to righteousness. The call is for him to be just. And he used those words interchangeably in the King James, but it's the same word. When he's saying do righteousness, do justice, he's telling him to do the same thing. Live a right life. Walk down the right path. Put yourself In the right pattern of living. That's true righteousness. That's true justice. And it cannot be detached from the pattern of living. Are y'all you you with me? And we're going to see as we try to go through this. This is the call to get on the right way. To get on the right path. That's righteous living. So when he turned in verse 3. And he began to make his personal appeal. And the reason I call it a personal appeal. Is because he started telling his story. So in verse 3 he says. When I was my father's son. Tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. So this is his pill. He's comparing himself to his son. Now the question that I always get when I read this, why do he phrase it the way that he phrases it? He said, when I was my father's son. And the way he's saying it, it's like he still has a father. But he was his son. Like, what does that mean? When I was my father's son. Ain't you still your father's son? And it gives us a glimpse into what it means to be a son. Because biblically, to be a son is to be one who fathers follows the pattern of, to be obedient to, to live in subjection to. It has more to, than just biological descendancy. That's why a lot of the uh, folks mess up when they say we all God's children. What they mean by that is God made all of us. But Jesus steps on the scene and he told the Pharisees that, hey, your father is the devil. And why did he say? Because he said, you do the lust of your father. That's who you obey. And that's the picture that He getting here. When I was my father's son. So it's a picture back there. There was a time where I was in subjection. Where I was living and I was being obedient to my father. And that put the picture of a son as one who's in subjection to one who is obedient to the instructions of. So when he said, when I was my father's child, son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Now, that's a tricky one to translate. That word tender could mean he was weak. And so a lot of theologians take this to say that Solomon was a uh, phantom man a little bit. He was a little bit more flowery. He wasn't like his daddy. I don't know how they can get that far. All that just means he was weak. He was tender. He he was at an age of where well, he went out there doing his own thing and, and, and just living life. So he had a point where he was tender and he said he was solitary or his mother's only child or his mother's only beloved child. So that means he had a special relationship with his mother when at this time when he was living in subjection. So you get this picture of this one little kid who was listening to his father, one that big, strong, masculine guy, and he was his mother's special child. Like I said, this could be a real flashback to his childhood, that David had a whole lot of wives and a whole lot of children by a whole lot of different women. And Solomon was the first, well, the second-born of his mother because the first child died. And he was brought up, and his mother had a special place for him. And it seemed to be, they were the only ones from that stock of the family, and that could be a picture of what he put into. But the, the appeal as he making is the same thing you going through. I done been through it. I was a child, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. And now he goes to what it was his father taught him in verse four. Say so he taught me, and said to me, "Let your heart retain my words and keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom." get understanding do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth do not forsake her and she will preserve you love, love her and she will keep you so this is his father's teaching so the father's plea to him is the same plea that he's making let your heart retain my words so the father was telling him take hold of my words bring them in let your heart keep them then it's a a, a push get wisdom get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Now, if we flash back to chapter two, what the appeal was for him to get wisdom. He told him, if you seek for wisdom and you search for wisdom, you will find it. You will find the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God because God dispensed wisdom. So he showed the fountain of wisdom is God. But here he's making a parallel and he's telling us something about what the father thinks about his words. Because he's saying, take heed to my words, retain them in your heart. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forsake my truth or turn away from the words of my mouth. Because if you keep them, or her, referring to wisdom, she will preserve you. So he has a connection between the words of his mouth and the things that he's teaching in wisdom. So what he's saying is, I'm teaching you wisdom. And if you listen to me, you are hearing wisdom. Which means what he's also saying is the things that I'm teaching you are the things that God dispenses. I'm teaching you the words of God. Because wisdom flow from God. The fear of Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And if we seek wisdom, we find the knowledge of God. But here he's telling him, if you listen to me, wisdom is going to keep you. Wisdom is going to preserve you. If you go out there and get understanding, get knowledge, they're going to keep you by taking heed to the words of my mouth. So he's making a connection between the words of his mouth and the words of God because wisdom and knowledge flows forth from God. So whoever this teacher is, he got a belief or understanding that the words that he speak are the words of God. And the instruction that he's given is after the knowledge of God. So if we listen to them, if we take heed to them, we will get wisdom and wisdom will preserve them. And that preserve is wisdom going to take care of you. So pay attention to the words of my mouth. Verse six, do not forsake her. She will preserve you. Love her. She will keep you. So don't forsake her. Don't leave her alone. she going to preserve you. If you love her, if you devote yourself to her, if you pull her in and don't let her go, she will keep you. Then it goes in verse seven. So wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and in all you're getting, get understanding. And this is the, 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 the pivotal point of the plea. Wisdom is the principal thing. So the primary thing that we have here is wisdom. It's the top thing. So in all you're getting, so in everything that you're pulling in and all that you have going on in life, get understanding. And this is something that we need to instruct to our kids. And I try to push it over to our mind, but our education system made it hard. Because we're in a position where or the way we're being brought up is that you go to school to get good grades so that hopefully one day you can get a good job. The one thing that's missing out of that is learning and real understanding. Because all of us have been there before, we, we crammed, we studied for a test, and we devoted ourselves to something, and you ask yourself something about it a month later, and you don't know nothing about <laughs> it. And that's because we're on a pursuit for a grade and not understanding. And this, the instruction of the Father here is that in all you're getting, so in everything that you pursue, in everything that you bring in, in all the aspects of your life, make sure you get understanding. And Jesus picks up on this thing with his parable of the sower. Like the sower went out to sow, and he sowed his seed on all the various grounds. But the first ground, he said, was the ground that the seed set on it. And because of the lack of understanding, the word was stolen away from them. Like since they didn't understand it, the devil came and it took away from them the things that they understand. And so it shows us that one of the primary things that we need to make sure we get when we, Anytime we send under instruction, anytime we send under teaching, it's to make sure we understand it, to make sure that we comprehend it, to make sure that we have pulled it in and absorbed as much as we can out of it to the point where we can express it to a way that it makes sense to somebody else. That's how you really know you understand something. And that's his encouragement here, that wisdom is the principal thing. So out of all the things you want to pursue on earth, pursue wisdom. And out of all the things you want to get in all your endeavors, make sure you get understanding. Know what it is that you're talking about. Know what it is that's being presented to you. Make sure that you get it. Are are y'all tracking with me? And in verse 8, he's talking about giving props to wisdom now. And he said, exalt her and she will promote you. She shall bring you to honor when you embrace her. So basically lift her up, big up wisdom and she will big you up. So if you exalt wisdom, wisdom will exalt you. That's what I mean by promote you. She shall bring you to honor when you embrace her. So when you, when you take in wisdom and you develop this love relationship with wisdom, she's going to bring you to a place of honor. Says in verse nine, she will place on your head an ornament of grace. And a crown of glory shall she deliver to you. So there's promotion when we get wisdom. And It says she's going to place on you an ornament of grace, something that makes you beautiful, something that brings delight in it, in a, a ray of sunshine to your life, something that going to make you look good. And a crown of glory shall she deliver to you. And it's a picture of one who have won, won or achieved something, one who has been promoted to a great status. So she's going to put on you a crown that makes you great in the midst of people. And she's going to put on you something that makes you beautiful if you embrace her. Oh, y'all, you, you get what it's saying? And it's very poetic language. You're going to try to bring it all the way down. In verse 10, he goes and he begins to transition. And now he's make his passionate appeal. So what we just taught was what his father taught him. So now he's coming back and he's appealing himself to his son and say, hear my son. And receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. So if you listen to what I'm saying, you're going to get long life. And he's making the same connection that his father made to him. So basically, the words that I'm teaching you are the words of God. They are the words of wisdom. Because wisdom is the thing that's going to bring long life and longevity to you. Now he's saying, if you hear me, it's going to bring about long life and longevity to you. And in verse 11, he says, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. So his appeal is that the things that I'm teaching you, they're good things. The instructions that I'm giving to you, they're good teachings. So the way that I'm training you, I taught you in the way of wisdom. So I give you doctrine that, that puts you in a position of being wise. All you got to do is listen and take heed. In verse 12, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction and do not let it go. Keep her for she is your life. So he's giving some more promises here. And this is his appeal. He's been passionate. Pay attention. If you walk, when you walk, your steps won't be hindered. So if you listen to my words, and if you live according to the way that I'm teaching you, as you go about your life, there won't be no restraints on you. You can be able to live your life all the way out to the full, to the max. Nothing will straighten you in. There won't be no... No restraints on you. And it's like when you run, when you're living in a, when you're going in a pursuit, you won't stumble. Nothing in your path, nothing down this way of wisdom gonna trip you up. So if you stay on this path, if you stay on this journey, there will be nothing that will cause you to fall off the path. And that's a heavy promise. There will be nothing that will cause you to, to, to make error in your path. All you have to do is hear my words and take heed. There will be nothing that will restrict you or cause you not to be able to go down this road. Just hear my words and hear my teachings. And these are some grand promises to meditate on. Because we are trained and we thought that our world and our life is full of stumbling. And that stumbling is just a part of growing up and it's a part of learning how to walk. What he's saying, if you walk in this way, stumbling ain't going to be a part of it. And, it's a, and there's a point where we're going to get that seems to be contradictory, where we're going to try to tie it together. I well, we just mention it here. Because does that mean that when I'm going down this way, that hardship ain't going to be on this road? Does it mean that things won't come into my life to try to knock me off this path? When he's making a promise, your way won't be straightened. Your way won't be restricted. Nothing is there going to make you stumble. So that means that am I going to walk a path where it's just going to be peace and lovely and roses and lily all the way around? That's not what he's saying. Because is it possible to go through hardship and still maintain a path of integrity, to walk in a way of wisdom and maintain a righteous path? Yeah, that's possible. Jesus did it. This dude was talked about and forsaken all the way from the time that he was born. Those who were close to him betrayed him. Those who were supposed to be his leaders attempted to kill him. He had a pretty hard life. But he maintained in the midst of that hardship, in the midst of rejection, in the midst of things going crazy, and was able to maintain integrity and uprightness and walk in the way that he said, there's no darkness in me. The evil one come, but he ain't got nothing in me. Like, Jesus, ain't no bitterness in you? These people been talking about you? Grown folks putting you down. Like, nah, ain't no bitterness in me. Like, dude, you you got exalted to be God's choice messenger. And dudes have been trying to kill you ever since you, like, 13. <laughs> Hold up. These people supposed to be holding justice and righteousness, tried to pick you up and throw you off a mountain. Like, ain't no bitterness, ain't no evil in you, ain't no, I'm saying, no, 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 nah, like, ain't nothing, the evil one comes, but he has nothing in me. So when we hear these words about, you will walk in your way and nothing will restrict you, we don't need to hear that you will walk in your way and everything ain't gonna be straight. Nah. He's not promising a life full of free of hardship. What he's promising is a life where you can be and live your life all the way to the maximum despite of what's going on around you. Because there ain't going to be no occasion of stumbling on this path. In verse 13 he says take firm hold of instruction and do not let go. Keep her for she is your life. So instruction, guidance, discipline is your life. And now he's connecting instruction and discipline with wisdom so a part of wisdom is instruction is discipline is chastisement is direction putting you on the right path like this is your life 14 do not enter into the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil so this is appeal as he's turning and he's getting more personal like don't go on the path of the wicked so whatever pattern of life that the wicked has you don't enter on that path and it gets a mindset of Stay as far away from this path as you can. Like don't even enter on the path. Do not walk in the way of it. In 15, avoid it. Do not travel on it. So he's he's compounding this thing. Like don't go down that way. Like don't walk with them. Hey, stay far away from what they're doing. Don't even travel on the world if they there or if they ain't there. Whatever the way of the wicked is, we avoid it. We take far, we go far away from it. And he said, Turn away from it. And pass on. So when you see the way of the wicked. You do an about face and go the completely other way. That's his admonition. And that's part of walking down the right road. Is anything that can be connected to the path and patterns of life. That is established by wickedness. We avoid it. And like I said the way. Is a pattern, pattern of life. And it's a means that is some way that the wicked live. It's the way that they make decisions. It's the way that they express themselves. It's the way that they navigate life. And he's saying you stay far away from it. If you come across it, turn. Don't even pass on. And this puts us in a position where we have to be vigilant to make sure that we're focused on the right path. That we're taking heed. To make sure we don't cross over. And it also put us in a position. Where you're going to hear me say this quite often. Where we have to be a bit anti-cultural. Where we have to be willing to say. I don't agree with none of y'all. I'm not on this side or this side. Because both of y'all are wrong. Because this path here you walking on. Wicked people establish that. And I don't walk with the wicked. And all you're doing is being just as evil. And responding to their wickedness with your own. And I ain't down with that. And it puts us in a place where we are completely and totally different from the rest of the world. That we have a passion to, to, to stand up and to fight for justice and righteousness. But we also have a compassion and a meekness to what we want to see people change. And we want to see love expressed and we want to see the, the right way exalted. And that's why I, I like what the, the apostle says. Sometimes you got to disconnect. Sometimes you got to step back and, and, and not allow the foolishness to get into your brain. Because we in a place where we are being psychologically assaulted. And what I mean by that is the, the tactics that are, are, are being put on us is psychological warfare. We're being locked into a house. Put in front of a box with flashing lights that is blanking hate, 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 turn, be scared, be scared, be scared, turn, be mad. be, (laughs) And it's repeated over and over again. That can drive you crazy. And the only thing you get is be scared or be mad for hours. And they call it news. And they have people who have been elevated to a position of authority just because they can put on a night suit and a night tie and they got a microphone in front of them what gives them credibility to be heard. And so we take heed to their words and we allow it to become a part of us and it mess our heart and mess our mind up. Just to give an example, I'm going to leave this alone. So y'all made me think about this. You shouldn't even ask all them questions. <laughs> let's give an example we gonna move when the little boy shout out the people in the church in, in, in South Carolina and they tried to have the rallies then the church came out and in their rally they began to sing hymns and pray for the young man completely destroyed the whole news coverage The anchor that was covering it on one of them stations broke down and started crying and said, I never seen something so beautiful a day in my life. The coverage was over. Nothing else to report. These trials, these hearings, these testimonies went on for days, but we didn't get it. Because there was no hate. You had people who responded with a heart of love, who in tears saying, I hate what this young man did. He took away my mama. He took away my auntie. But I pray that God have mercy on his soul. People ain't want to put that on there. And you had a church of people standing up, singing hymns and singing praises to God in the midst of one of the hardest situations that they ever been through. Something that most of us cannot even fathom. We ain't see that for 12 hours on CNN. They ain't they ain't let them hymns play over and over again. Keep bringing it to your coverage. You ain't get that same refrain of how they love the Lord and how they want mercy and justice to be to be rolled down on this young man and they want his soul to be saved. They ain't let you hear that for 12 hours. But they'll keep you up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning tell you about folk burning up stuff, tell you about folk tearing down stuff, tell you about all the injustice in the riot and to stir up more hate. And it's because they, they're presenting to you a path and they want you to pick a team. But we need to be a position that, that we can see, we perceive, that we get understanding. And we walk in the way of wisdom and not be swayed to choose one of these paths of the wicked. We avoid it. We stay far away from it. We move the way we move because of what we know and what we understand. Not because how we've been propelled by the masses of the, of the foolishness. You understand what I'm saying? We don't allow people to propel us into action. We allow our understanding and our knowledge of who God is and the way life is supposed to be lived to guide us and direct us in our action. So we avoid the way of the wickedness. We, we, we pass away. We turn our back on it. Right, you, you, you tracking with me. And I ain't mean to stay out that long. We're supposed to be moving through this. This is an easy one. If verse 16. He's tell you why you need to avoid the way of the wicked. Say, for they do not sleep unless they done, they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. So this is a picture of the wicked. They, they, their lives are dictated by the, the expression of their wickedness. And they don't sleep unless they done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. So it's basically it's hard for them just to come to a place of rest unless they're in their activity and do, they've done some today. And it says, 17, for they eat the bread of wickedness, and they drank the wine of violence. This is an expression of of the wicked. So this is why we stay away from that. Eat the bread of wickedness, and they drank the wine of violence. And that's a poetic way of saying their life is consumed with the evil that they want to express. This is what they do. And it also gives us a picture of what it means to eat or to, to, to take in the bread. Like Jesus picks up on the same thing, and he used the same poetry. He's like, I got meat. That y'all don't know none of. What does that mean Jesus? My meat is to do the will of my father. So the thing that I consume with. The thing that fill up my life. Is the expression of me doing the will of my father. And what he's saying here. Is the thing that fill up the life of wicked. The thing that brings them satisfaction. The thing that brings them joy is wickedness and violence. This is what they eat. This is what they consume. In verse 18 it said. But the path of the just is like the shining sun. That shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. So he's given a contrast to our path versus their path. So the path of the just or the path of the righteous is like a shining sun. It's filled with light. And it gets brighter and brighter unto the perfect day or to the day of the end. To that complete day to where true righteousness shine. In 19 said the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So when you're going down the path of the wicked, in contrast, it's, and it's like darkness. They don't know what causes them to fall. They don't know what causes them to stumble. There's things in their life that they, they can't comprehend why they do what they do. In 20, we go into the next appeal, or the next admonishment of the Father. And he begins a different admonishment. And this admonishment here is basically for us to be on guard and, and and to pay attention. In verse 20 it says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings. So it's the same appeal. Give attention. Pay attention to my words. Incline. Lean in and be ready to hear my sayings. Twenty-one, do not let them depart from your eyes, and keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. It's the same response. The same encouragement. Pay attention to my words. Don't let them go. Because they're life to you. And they bring health and vitality to your flesh. So these words are the things that going to keep you in life. Then he goes and telling them. So this is, this is the contrast. So the first part is telling you what you need to put into you. To make sure you're straight. So pay attention to my words. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Because they're life and their health, and we get the basic principle right here in verse 23. So this is the main encouragement that he's given in this admonition. He said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. So guard your heart. That's what he means by keep it. You need to guard your heart with all diligence. So you put activity, you, you use your energy, you pay attention, you work hard to guard your heart. So you make sure you put these words in it. You make sure that you keep instruction in it. You make sure that you take heed. But you guard your heart. And that's a way of guarding your heart. By paying attention to what you put in it. Fill it up with wisdom. Fill it up in knowledge. And it's that because out of the heart. Flows all the issues of life. And it's a picture where he's given a dual picture. Like the life of our flesh. Is in the blood as the bible say. So the healthiness of your body. It's dictated by what flows through your blood. And what he, and he's taking that picture to show parallel to life. The health of your existence is by, based on what flows out of your heart. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 15. It's Like, hey, the things that defile a man is not what comes into him, but is what comes out of him. Because out of the heart of man proceed murder, adultery, fornication. And it's the picture here that you need to pay attention to your heart, guard it, protect it. Because the the things that flow out of it, it's the wellspring of life. Life is what pumps through your heart. So you need to guard it. Take heed to it. Don't let anything in it. And he tells us about keeping stuff out of it. In verse 20, he said, put 24, put away from you the deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. So the deceitful mouth, so that's a lying mouth and perverted lips put far from you. So now, this is one we pause on let you think for a second. Is he saying, you need to make sure you ain't lying or you need to make sure you ain't being lied to? Put away from you perverse lips. I mean, lying lips, uh, deceitful lips, in a perverse mouth. Put it far away from you. So he's saying you need to make sure it's not in you. Or Is he saying those with perverse lips and deceitful mouths and perverted mouths you need to make sure they stay away from you. Which ones he talking about? I think he's talking about both of them. I agree with you. I think he's talking about both of them. And I think the picture begins with, right where he started. Where, where will your mind first go? When he's talking about guard your heart, protect your heart, and put away from you lying lips. So if you're going to keep lying lips out of your heart, one of the first places you need to get them away from is from you. Cause one of the greatest liars to you is you. Now, ain't, there, ain't y'all, man, don't, don't raise your hand out loud. <laughs> yeah, raise your hand in your heart. If you ever trick yourself into doing something that you swore you weren't going to ever do before, again. Yeah, I, I'm the only one that ever did that. I'm saying when well, you'd have had them times when you'd been at the altar, you cried, Jesus, I'm telling you, God. I'm. <laughs> If you tell to just love your Lord. I ain't going to have to do it again. And about a week later. <laughs> Shoot, bro. <laughs> Where y'all going? <laughs> how you get there? You usually end up lying to yourself. you just saying that, man. I'm just finna go. I ain't going to be with all the other food. I'm just going check on my people. <laughs> you can go and check on your people. Or you end up into a whole bunch of other food. Yeah, I'm straight. You know what I'm saying? Man, it ain't like I'm going to be smoking. They going to be smoking. Man, I'm done. I ain't with that drink no more. Then you lie and you tell yourself, well, I'm just going to have one little drink. <laughs> and next thing you know, you're dancing on top of the tables, <laughs> Life of the party. And you wake up Sunday morning and don't know if you should go to church or not. I feel bad. Lord, <laughs> <laughs> right, but and that's what he said. Put away them lying lips far away from you. Then twenty-five, he turned, said, "Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eye look, eyelids look right before you." Basically, you stay focused. You get zoned in, and you focus, So you put away lying lips, and you get focused. Zone in. Don't don't let yourself be distracted. Don't let yourself be tossed to and fro. Like, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right on. Don't let nothing turn you. And he adds to that, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Now, ponder the path of your feet means consider the path of your feet. So, take time to reflect on the way that you're living, on the on on the patterns of your life, what are the things that you are being a part of, how why, what what things are you participating in. How are you going about doing what it is that you're doing? So take time to reflect on those things. Ponder the path of your feet and allow all your ways to be established. And what it is, is the picture he's giving it. It wants you to go through this pondering and you take a look at your feet and you take a look at the way that you're walking, that you put it in a place where you want it to be concrete. And I, and I like the way he worded it is, he didn't say establish all your ways. He said let all your ways be established. So there's a process that you go through where you're going through these things and you're pondering these things. And there's something that they're going to come above you in this pondering. that's going to establish your ways. They're going to put you on the right path. And it's a picture back to what he's been talking about. Hear the words of instruction. Allow yourself to be disciplined. Allow yourself to be corrected. So as you ponder in the path of your feet and you don't put lying lips apart, far away from you and you looking straight straight on, the idea is as you ponder pondering, you be truthful to yourself. And you allow this thing to be real and to be straightforward and your feet will be established. Don't be scared to, 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 to reflect on why am I doing what I'm doing. The way that I relate to people, the way that I talk to people, is this right? The way I'm raising my kids, the, the, the way I'm loving my spouse, is this right? Am I doing it the right way? Why am I doing it this way? Like, ponder the path of your feet. See what path you're on. In 27, it said, do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. So as you're pondering your path and you're allowing your foot to be established, your eyes are looking straight on, it said, don't turn to the right or to the left. And you remove your foot from evil. So, if you see that your your feet are walking down the path of of the wicked, like you you, you get your foot back. You you step back. Like when when the car coming down the street and you standing on the curb, you, you move back a little bit. And it's the picture that he's given, So it's it's a call for us to be on this right path and to walk in this right way. And to live a life that is upright, but there's a a sense of reflection that goes into this life. And there's a sense of focus that goes into this life. And there's a a sense of rejection in us being outcasts and being willing to go against the grains of society. And not being willing to be led, but allow ourselves to be instructed by wisdom. And that's what he's calling us to. That's what we blaze through. Hit chapter 5 real quick. And this one, in chapter 5. It's a call to discernment. And this one here that mess a lot of folk up. But I I like it and it's more beautiful when you hit it coming off chapter 4. In chapter 5 verse 1 it said, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. So he's calling us to discretion here. And it's pay attention to my wisdom, lend your ear to my understanding. So you give your ear to understanding that you may preserve discretion. So if you're paying attention, if you're giving your ear to understanding, you're going to deserve preserve. You're going to keep, you're going to hold on to discretion. Discretion is that discernment. The ability to tell right from wrong, good from evil, what way we should go down this road and which paths in life are the right path and which path we should avoid. This is discretion. And he also is connecting this with wisdom. So wisdom is the right application of the knowledge and understanding that we have. And it's a guidance or instruction for us down this right path. And now we're seeing that wisdom is an understanding of what paths are good and what paths are just. Cause if we get wisdom we're going to keep discretion and let's go and he says this is why we need to have discernment and it's because of this rogue here I, I like the rogue This I, I listen to old folk growing up so it's a roguish person we're going to meet that we need discernment for it says for the lips of the immoral woman or the strange woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil but in the end She is bitter as warm wood, sharp as a two-edged sword. So you need to pay attention to my words. And you need to keep your lips, you need to allow your lips to keep knowledge. Because the lips of the strange woman. So he's talking about the lips you're supposed to have in comparison to the lips of the strange woman. or This immoral woman. It says her lips drip honey. That's Just think about that you get the picture of a woman coming to you say her lips just, just honey just dropping off well, her words are so sweet and it said it's smooth as butter so she got a slick tongue that's, that's words that satisfy and it just make it easy for you to just move on in that's the picture that he paint. so words like butter and they just drip honey and it just sweet to you and feel good to you and it make it easy for you to connect with this woman but then he turned and gave you the whole picture. He said, but her end is bitter as wormwood. Wormwood is some type of bitter plant they had way back in. Some folks, like I learned, they said use it to make um, poison. In the book of Revelations, they talking about the star being wormwood, and it drops into the ocean. They say everybody's beginning to die because they can't drink the water because it's so bitter. And then what he's saying is uh, uh, the end. Now these words start off smooth, they start off sweet, but the end of it is bitter. It's something that's going to disgust you to the point where you cannot consume it. You can't take it in. And it says, sharp. Her end is sharp like a two-edged sword. So it's going to be smooth when you can slide on in there, but it's going to cut you. And that's the picture that he's giving. It's something that's going to be so sweet, then all of a sudden it's going to turn sour and bitter. It's something that's going to be so smooth, then all of a sudden you're going to realize you cut all up at the end of it. And that's this strange woman, this immoral woman. Said her feet go down to death. And her steps lay hold of hell or lay hold of the grave. So this is the woman that's calling you out. Smooth, pretty, seductress. Like, but her feet, the path of her life, the way that she walking, it go down to death. And her steps take you straight to hell or to the grave. And in verse 6, at least you ponder the path of a life. Her ways are movable, are unstable. You do not know them. Now, basically, the way that she lives and and the lifestyle that she has is something that stay on the go. And if we think about our lives, when you get caught up in wickedness and when you get caught up in foolishness, the one thing that you don't have time for is to sit back and reflect. And that's the picture that he's painting that. The way that she lived, once you get caught with this strange woman, is always on the go. She's always on the move. There's no consistency in her pattern. So you won't take time to think. Like you can't comprehend her ways. Because it is, it's always moving. It ain't the same. It's something that's constantly pulling you in. And if you think about the life that we lived before you met Jesus. Quiet times, reflection times, or bored times. And in, 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 in not uneasy times. I was like, you, you ain't trying to have too many of them. But like, man, just, let's just sit back and think. It's always what we're going to do, bro. Like, where, where we going? <laughs> and that's the picture he's giving to this woman. Her, her move is always on the go. So you don't take, you can't ponder the path of your life. She got it set up. Go ahead. It can be a man. You can picture it. Yes, they are. Yeah, and it's beautiful. I'm glad you brought that up. And uh, you were hit the Yeah, D-Man. But the reason it's pictured as a woman because it's a father talking to his son. <laughs> and so that's why he's giving these contrasting pictures. So one is wisdom. She's a woman. And now this adulterous person, this mad person, she's a woman and it's basically giving you a picture of which one of these women you're gonna choose Uh uh-huh yeah one trying to pay attention but yeah i'm glad you brought that up good question yeah so this this is this is strange man for you (laughs) it's verse seven therefore hear me now my children and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her. And do not go near the door of her house. And this is the call. You, you see how, how, how he trumped that up? Like, hear me now. He put the, the man, the daddy voice on now. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Listen to what I'm telling you. And remove your way far from her. So get as far away from this strange woman as you can. Matter of fact, don't even go near her door. Let alone talking about being close to her. Don't even go near the door. Like if you the mailman, don't even deliver her mail. <laughs> That's the picture that he's giving. And just think about it. A lot of times, this is how we get caught up. See, I'm going to talk to the men here. cause I know women don't have this problem. She's going to tell me if I'm wrong. Cause I ain't never been a woman, so I ain't never experienced. But there's something in men. Well, we have the ability to like being liked. And you take sometimes to to step down a little bit and you don't be as pro what it is you stand for just because you like the likeness. And and, and the compliments and you want them to feel you, but you don't want them to fear you. If If y'all understand what I'm saying. You you want the compliments, you want them to have a crush on you and all that other stuff, but in the back of your mind you ain't going there, but you, you allow it to dance just a little bit, just so you can feel liked and you can feel appreciated, and you can feel like I'm still a man. And what he's saying is, don't even play with that. I, I'll, just think about Joseph. I always put myself in the Joseph store and I see myself messing up like a hundred thousand times. When Joseph got pulled in that room and the woman was ready to, to take him. He said he fleed and his coat remained. Now think about it. Now I can imagine myself fleeing. See but this is how you lie and you trick to yourself. Now when that coat get cu- took off your mind goes, see now get my coat. <laughs> see see, you're playing too much. Now get my coat. And you get sucked in. Now, she took your coat and put it down her breast like, if you want your coat, come get it. <laughs> and now you in there and you playing and you go, oh, see, girl, why you always want to play? And next thing you know, you waking up, God, Jesus, she ain't pregnant, please. <laughs> so do do women have them problem? Well, you like being like. Just a little different. All right. <laughs> But what he's calling to, it don't even play with it. Yeah, go. Leave everything. <laughs> and that's what the father is calling the son to. Don't even play with it. Like, don't go close to her. Don't even go close to her. Don't, don't allow yourself to be in that place where you you even play with it. That means once you feel feeling that light, you a little bit, and you start feeling yourself, oh, yeah, you know, girl, I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm really just trying to stay single and all that stuff right now. You no, no. like, don't even play with that. Don't even go near her door. And now he, he turned this thing, and the appeal is because of regret. And in verse 9, he said, at least you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. So basically, if you participate in this relationship, it's a possibility that could it could end in your diff you being defamed it could end in your ruin in all your goodness and all your reputation being given over to the cruel or to the mockers or to the wicked ones like this could be the end result of this relationship and then verse 10 he said at least aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner so basically if you fall in this way if you allow yourself to be trapped it could cause you to lose your honor it could cause you to lose your money you can make other folk rich just because you get caught up. We all know the stories of the brother can't take a job and get a W-2. He got to get paid on the table because he got seven children all on child support. <laughs> and he ain't got no choice but to sell dope. That's the only way he can make money because if he put it on the tax paper the government gonna get it. That's what he's calling. Like you, You watch out. You can rob yourself of honor. You can rob yourself of wealth. And in verses 11, it says, and you mourn at the last when your flesh and your body are consumed. It's like, and it to come to an end when you reach the end of this thing. And it's going to cause you to cry. And it said you're going to be at a time when your flesh and body are consumed. And there's a couple of different ways we can take this. It's like when you caught up in this lifestyle and put you to a point where it just to mess your whole body up. And a lot of people take this as a sign for disease because syphilis was around way back then in that time. But I take it as a time of when you get old and your your body ain't working the way it used to work and you're going to realize you done flaunted all your life and gave all your good years to foolishness when you looked at yourself through grown man eyes and you're going to see that you wasted it. Like, don't play with this woman. Stay away from her because. It might leave you messed up. And then in verse 12, he said, and this is what you're going to say at the end of it. How have I hated instruction? In my heart, despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers. And this is the cry of regret, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total destruction, or total ruin in the midst of this, the assembly and congregation. So it's got me at a place where I was almost completely gone. Just because I got caught up with this strange woman or this strange man or I got it, it pulled into a lifestyle that, that was anti the wisdom that I was brought up in. It's like you give yourself to this and it gonna reach a point where you are gonna look back and think that, Hey, I almost completely lost it, lost it all. I gave it all up. How did I hate instruction? I was at a point where just I completely ruined my life. And that's the cry of regret that he's trying to get us to avoid. Now for some of us it's too late. And we just have to erase that plate and we be the children now. But for all of us we ain't made it all the way down that road yet. And the call if we take heed you can avoid it. And it gives us a picture that you don't have to go through foolishness to learn righteousness. You can avoid that whole trip. And in verse 15 he calls us to discretion in ravishing so we we, we, we need to be discreet because of the rogue and now in 15 he turned to this ravishing and he gives this very poetic picture he said drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well should your fountains be dispersed abroad as streams of water in the streets or let thy fountain be dispersed abroad as streams of water in the streets let them be only yours and not foreigners with you let your fountains be blessed. But we call calling this thing of water. And this picture of hewning out cisterns. I drank water from your own cistern. A cistern is a well that you dig back in the day that kept your water. And it'll allow you to draw from it. So it's like a well. And it's like basically you draw from your own cistern. So you go to your own well to seek satisfaction. Then he, he makes this statement. And the King James has a statement. And the other versions is a question, and I believe that it's a question. It said, let thy waters be dispersed abroad in the streets, as running waters out in the streets. So, like, it's like, should your waters, the waters from your system, should they be dispersed all out in the streets? Should you just let, let them run over in the streets? Like, nah, that ain't what you do. Let them be yours only. So, the thing that brings you satisfaction, the thing that brings delight to you, don't let it be bored out in the streets like you go to your own source you go to your own well and you be satisfied by it let it satisfy you and don't let it be all put out all in the streets and then he turned in 18 and it gets a little more intimate and he lose the poetic part of it it says let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth like don't be dipping in all these other systems let your fountain be blessed and you rejoice or you take delight with the wife of your youth. and said, as a loving deer and as a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be in capture, right? a ravish with her love. And uh, he, he getting a little freaky here. Right, as a loving deer and as a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. So you allow her, her body to bring you delight. You allow her body, he said, be ravished with her love always. So you get to a place where you are content and you are consumed with the love of the wife of your youth, and you allow that to take care of you. And in verse 20, ask the questions: For why should you, my son, be ravished by an immoral woman? I embrace the arms of a seductress. So why should you be fulfilled and allow your heart to be taken away by a seductress woman? I be embraced. I to find love in the arms of a seductress in verse 21 he tells us why we shouldn't do that he said for the ways of man are before the eyes of the lord and he ponders all his path so we got this pondering that this showed up three times in these chapters. like you ponder the path of your feet and if you get caught up with the seductress woman she won't allow you to ponder the, your their ways but now he's saying you need to make sure that you're not ravaged by this seductress because god ponders all your ways so he gives the picture of an God's standing down looking over everything that you do. And it said he weighs or he partners, He judges all his paths. God sees the ways of man and he judges all your paths. And his own iniquities entrap the wicked. So the lifestyle, the sins of the wicked is the thing that catch them up. And it said he is caught in the cause of his sin. So the wicked lifestyle is before the eyes of the Lord and God is looking at all of it. And the way that they're living is the thing that's going to catch them up. They're going to leave them in a bind. And the thing that's going to kill them is their own sin. They're caught. They're trapped with their own sin. And in verse 23, he said, he shall die for lack of instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. So because he's not taking heed, he's not being guided, he's not being led, the wicked is going to die. It's like great. is going to be an immense going to be the foolishness of his way i mean his folly the way his folly is going to cause him to go astray so the foolishness or the folly of the wicked is going to cause them to go astray and it ain't going to be a small thing it's going to be a big deal but the thing that's pulling the wicked is this strange woman and like i said we're going to expound more on what this strange woman or strange man is you got any questions <laughs>